truths. The impact of Katrina and Gore's stunning presentation only strengthened our commitment to make climate our priority. After the convention, as executive director, I had a new mission. Admittedly, climate change was not entirely new territory for us. The club had worked for years on energy and climate, taking the lead in pressuring the auto industry to improve fuel economy and cut carbon dioxide emissions from cars. But it had never been our top priority. How does a grassroots activist organization in the United States set out to stop global warming? I didn't know it yet, but this new priority would mean enormous changes in the way I saw the world and environmentalism. Previously, environmentalists worked to stop bad things, pollution, clear-cutting, overfishing. But we more or less accepted the big-picture American economy with the established industries that made it up. Not anymore. Now we were about to find ourselves in a different business, helping to foster a different kind of economic development, one based on knowledge and technology rather than fossil fuels. After 35 years of working to clean up after 20th century industrialism, environmentalists were about to plunge into creating its 21st century replacement. But before we could go full tilt towards the new, we had to stop the last spasms of the old, an energy future crafted during George W. Bush's first term by Vice President Cheney. Staff and volunteers began brainstorming, and 18 months later, in February 2007, about 100 club leaders gathered in Tucson in an unconventional forum to decide which campaigns we would rally around. Anyone in the group who had a campaign he or she wanted to pitch set up a whiteboard in a corner. The rest of the group then voted with their feet, testing out different conversations until they found the one that gripped their imagination. At the end of the session, we had four or five lively groups, but one had managed to attract almost half of the total audience. A club lawyer from the Midwest, Bruce Nillis, was proposing that the Sierra Club target the linchpin of the Bush administration's energy proposal, building more than 150 new coal-fired power plants. Nillis pointed out coal was the biggest source of climate pollution in the United States. Not only that, the proposed new plants would emit so much climate pollution for the 40 years of their expected lifetime that if they were built, it would become mathematically impossible to tame the global warming monster. This next generation of coal plants, he told us, would lock the United States into 750 million additional tons of carbon dioxide emissions every year, just when we needed to be cutting those emissions by that same amount by 2012. Nellis's pitch was that we faced what I have heard the Orthodox Patriarch Bartholomew call a kairos, a supreme moment at which one simply must act however implausible or inconvenient. His impassioned plea struck a deep chord with the club's leaders, but the ambition of the task left me uneasy. Afterward, I took him aside. How could we take this on? What was his strategy? We just fight every single no-coal plant, he replied. Who is going to help us, I asked. I have no idea if anyone will, he admitted, Most groups working on this just want to challenge one or two to try to get them a little cleaner. I was not reassured.
but the die was cast. The Sierra Club was now committed to transforming the entire energy sector of the United States and to prevent it from locking itself into another generation of coal-fired power. Thanks to some initial gifts from small family foundations and the leaders of the nascent solar industry, Bruce was able to hire lawyers for the effort, which we called Beyond Coal, and they began looking for planned coal-fired power plants to challenge. What they uncovered was shocking. The relationship between the coal industry and the electric utilities was so incestuous that coal executives simply assumed their plans would be rubber-stamped. Even more disturbing, the government regulators who were supposed to protect consumers and the environment were in many instances virtual partners in the planned coal rollout. None of the parties had the slightest experience of being challenged by citizens.